to get through the marathon, you, you have to imagine yourself at that finish line. You have to imagine yourself running the race and feeling good and imagine yourself crossing that finish line. That's dreaming. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 86. Today, I welcome Terrence Laos, better known as The Machine or Optimus Prime. Bernard Laos, who was on a previous episode, is Terrence's father. Terrence, born and raised in Chicago. He began his running career in 2006 After having some personal and financial issues, he called his dad, who was an avid runner, and he started a marathon training program with Rudy Christian. His first marathon was quite impressive. He finished in four hours and seven minutes. He's run over 30 marathons, one 50 miler ultra marathon. And recently he completed an Ironman 70.3 race. Terrence became inspired to help bring more men of color into the sport. He witnessed many women of black girls run, take on the sport, and he began to be inspired to recruit men. This prompted him to form an organization called Men Run These Streets, MRDS. It was born in 2013, the year actually I moved to Chicago. He's helped train many men and even women to become long-distance runners, half-marathoners, and marathoners. He's also an avid cyclist and swimmer. He believes in helping people become their best selves. He is dedicated to bringing about change to community and helping others become healthier by running. Please welcome Terrence Lyles to the show. So thanks for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So let's just start. What made you start running, Terrence? Uh, we, oh my God. I was, uh, in 2006, I was just going through a lot. I just, you know, <laughs> I had, uh, was going through some financial problems. I had just had a kid, a baby, uh, and it, things just wasn't adding up in my life. I just felt like I was kind of defeated in a sense and trying to find my way and just trying to sort out, you know, I didn't have a family things going on. So what I did, you, my dad, you know, you know, my dad, my dad was always an avid runner. So I just, it just came to my mind one day. I was sitting on my couch and said, I should run a marathon. You know, and I said, if I run this marathon, that means I can get over anything. So I, I called him that night. I said, you know, I'm ready. He said, what are you ready for? I said, I'm ready to run, run the marathon. He's like, oh, yeah? And he told me about, uh, okay, if you're serious, there's a group starting to train called Max Fitness. And he told me where to go. He told me who to call, which is Rudy Christian. Uh, he was the uh, leader of Max Fitness at the time. So I gave him a call, and I showed up at the uh, 
intercession, and there was a bunch of different people there. And the energy just felt wonderful. And they said, hey, we're going to train for Chicago Marathon. Uh, this is what you need to do. They gave me a packet, a welcome packet and everything. And I looked at it, and I'm like, and I saw all the miles I had to run. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what <did> I do? <laughs> uh, so needless to say, I, I showed up. I said, I'm not going to quit. I showed up, and the experience was wonderful. We started off at, like, I think three or four miles, and then we went up to, you know, you know how the mileage increased over time. And I just stuck with the training. It was months of training, I think about five or six months of training. And then come come the marathon, I signed up. And at that time, you could sign up maybe about a couple months before the marathon. It wasn't, it wasn't like how it is now, the Chicago Marathon. How much was it? $90. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and even, even then, we, you know, I was still like, oh, I'll do the training, but maybe not run a marathon every week. Rudy would ask me, you sign up for the marathon, you sign up for the marathon. And I, I, at some point, I just say I can't show up again and tell this man I didn't sign up. <laughs> <laughs> so I pay. He's like, "Look, if you don't have the money, borrow from a friend, tell me to pay him back." And that's like that's not the case. But uh, okay, I signed up mm-hmm. in marathon week, and I was like, you know, once I put my money, you know, where my mouth is, I'm gonna. Yeah. So needless to say, we uh, put my toe to the line, uh, October 2006. And I finished the marathon in four hours, seven minutes, 21 seconds. That's impressive. Yeah, for my first marathon. And I was all of lean, 215 pounds at the time. And ever since then, we I've been so addicted, so enthralled with running, uh, so enthralled that I went to many cities and ran many marathons after that. So was it just seeing your father run that made you think about, let me try running, you know, how much it affected his life? As far as when he started running? It had an influence on me because growing up, we would always volunteer for races. He would always, you know, be involved in the race running community. And so we would pass out. We would also, uh, he would have us volunteering as kids. So I had an impressionable start as to, you know, hey, you know, uh, to run into being exposed to running. So that played a favor. They played a part in it. And then also, yeah, yeah, to your point, yeah, my dad is, been an avid runner, so I felt it was kind of easy to choose to do it and knew that I would have the support. Did he say what took you so long when you called him that time? <laughs> nah, he was, no, he didn't say what took so long. <laughs> he was just happy that I was interested in doing it. And he's been nothing but supportive and helping me do just that. So it actually changed my life. I, I'm not going to sit here and say it solved all my personal problems, but one thing it did do, it gave me such a vast outlook and insight about life and challenges and overcoming challenges that those issues that I mentioned before earlier, they just became much more manageable. I became more patient, more solution-based. And if all fails, if you don't have a solution, get out and run some miles and think about it. Yeah. And I, even to this day, we I uh, tell people even now, hey, besides having your headphones on, when you you, you don't you can't figure out life, you can't figure out your personal problems, go for a run and sort it out and see what mm-hmm. see what the universe, see what God tells you, you know, um, while you're out running. And a lot of times that, that's worked for me. You know, like I said, don't solve your problems, but I call it me time. Get out and the run is not just for physical health, it's also for mental and emotional health. Yes. So over the years it's done just that. You know, I don't know what my life would be without it. I can relate to that. Running is my therapy. So 
I can relate. You said you how many marathons have you run? Thirty two. This will be number thirty three this year. Okay. So how many times have you run Chicago? I was run Chicago nine times. This year will be the tenth and final time. Final? Why final? Uh man, I didn't beat this body up for a lot of years. We and it's talking mm-hmm. to me now. It's, it's really talking to me. I, I've done so so many um, races and marathons and things like that that I'm, I've gotten to the point. Don't get me wrong. I will, I will always love twenty six point two. I will always mm-hmm. uh, support it and everything. But as far as my body is concerned, I think my body's had enough of that particular distance. Just having some issues, some uh, back issues. Some things that are going on within my body that, hey, you know, uh, that that pounding is not no longer now uh, that pounding is no longer good for me. Now I will participate in shorter races like five k's, ten k's, stuff like that. Maybe even a half here and there, but twenty six point two is of a of a distant going to be a distant memory pretty soon. Okay, so tell me, out of all thirty marathon, what's your favorite marathon and why? That's a really good question. We, if I was to kind of search my brain, and I, I gotta give it to hometown, hometown Chicago, and here's why: it's my first marathon, my first experience with marathon, and, and each time, and all at the support uh, that Chicago gives. No, no other city has ever given the support, the fans, the community, the supporters, the volunteers. Our, uh, Chicago is unmatched, in my opinion. And I haven't run every marathon in every city. And uh, I hear New York is similar, so, but I can't comment on that because I've never been there. But Chicago, would, I would still say my hometown is my favorite, Chicago. Uh, I've been in different cities. I've been to Little Rock. That's another one of my favorites. And that's because of the, the, the support of the community there. And also, they have these big five-pound medals that I've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got addicted to that hardware. That hardware is pretty cool. It just That's a pretty challenging race though, isn't it, with the hills and Absolutely. They have And uh, then one year y'all had some weird weather. I remember one year you guys were down there and had some weird weather conditions. Yeah, it was a bad snowstorm where people got stuck and everything, you know, in the south, they they not they not used to that kind of weather. So it's uh it was interesting. It was really a challenging time that year. We had to stay an extra day in the hotel, just see the weather calm down. And even then, when we finally did leave, it was just a challenge getting out of the town. So, yeah. But uh, everyone who kind of participated in that can tell you their own version of the story. It was just a very difficult time. But we went down there and we earned our medals at least. Mm, I bet you did that year. <laughs> <laughs> I can also say that Miami was good. Miami was a good time. Miami, okay, okay. Jamaica, I, I went to Jamaica. That that was a good one. The, the reggae marathon. I've done that three times, and people wonder why how I've done it three times. How how hot it is? It is hot. I've done the half and the ten k. Yeah, so those are just trying to sum up your question. Uh, Chicago would be my number one, just because it's my hometown and just the support is just unmatched. Yeah, I agree. I've done Chicago three times before I moved here and then one living here. And I agree with the support, even when I really didn't know a lot of people in Chicago, but it's the support. And it was better when I did it as a home race. Mm-hmm. But I agree. I've I've done only eight marathons, but um, I like New York, too. And Berlin is my second favorite. And New York might be my third, just for the crowd support. But those heels kick my butt. 
Yeah, and I've done Berlin. Berlin was excellent. Yeah, Berlin just to do, and I think being out of the country and just for the fact that it's Berlin, you know, and just being in Europe for the first time and, you know, seeing how it is, it was an interesting experience. So, yeah, I did Berlin as well. So, and don't say only eight. Some people are only eight. You have a you have a lay person saying, uh, they're looking at you like, oh my God, only? <laughs> Well, compared to 30, I know what you're saying, though. Compared to 30. Hmm. So what's your least favorite marathon and why? It probably would be Atlanta. Atlanta was healy. Although, yeah, I already knew at the finish line that was a one and done. I said, I'll never do this again. Did you do blues? Have you done blues in Jackson? I have not. Mississippi? No. Okay. I wonder how the heels compare. That's, that's a healy race, too. I was wondering. Mm-mm. One of the difficult parts about tearing away from the 26.2, there are a bunch of cities and a bunch of marathons I have not done, and New York is one of them. I would like to stick around and do some of those. And you, you never know, maybe if I get the opportunity to do New York or London or some of the hard ones to kind of Tokyo, some of the hard ones to kind of, kind of pin down. If I ever had an opportunity, I would consider it. But to sign up every year for Chicago and, you know, kind of do the same one, mm-hmm. it, it's not an incentive for me to lace, lace back up and do 26.2 after this year. I understand. So you've done, you've, have you done one ultra or how many ultras have you done? I've done one 50-mile ultra marathon, Chicago, 50, the Lakefront 50-50. Mm-hmm. That was back in 2013, I believe. I did 50 miles on the Lakefront and that was quite an experience. So and what made you want to do that? And how'd you train? I had a friend of mine named Kim. She was running ultras and she just pretty much challenged me one year. She said, Hey, when are you going to go? When are you going to take your body past 26 miles? And I had no intention. I was like, what do you mean? And she explained that, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, she's doing a lakefront 50, 50 and challenged me to, uh, to sign up. And, um, you know, I didn't back down from the challenge and I did sign up. How I trained was, I think that year I ran back-to-back marathons. I think during that time I was running Chicago and Detroit. They were kind of like a week or two weeks apart, if I'm not mistaken, but they're very close. So that was essentially my training. Just doing, I did back-to-back marathons, and I just continued on running through the winter until the Lakefront 50-50 showed up. And it was pretty much sheer determination and just hey, pacing myself and getting it through it. And uh, it was definitely challenging. But I, I got through in about 10 hours and 42 minutes. And yeah, and the cutoff is 11 hours. So I got through it. <laughs> Would you do it again? Would you do an ultra again? Like a, fi- a 50K maybe? Nah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a one and done. <laughs> one and done. I can hang my hat on just, matter of fact, I was looking at my belt buckle last night, as a matter of fact. It's funny you should ask about that. Cause I keep the belt buckle kind of close, you know, in ultras, you get a belt buckle instead of a metal. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really proud to cherish and hold on to that belt buckle. Cause that's the ultra world won't, won't see, see the likes of me again. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. So tell me about MRDS men run these streets. What is it? And why'd you form it? You know, when I got a good thing going, I want to share it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, one day I was online and I saw all of these black women and black girls run. I mean, it was a, it was a horde of them at, at, at a race. I forget which race it was. And I'm looking at all these sisters like, man, all these beautiful black women. 
And I'm like, man, that this is nice, but where are the guys? <laughs> you know, where, mm-hmm. where, 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 the, where are the guys in masks like that? So uh, I just came up with a vision like, hey, shortly after that, I just put a post out on Facebook like, hey, where are the guys that want to run and, you know, get healthy? And I had a whole bunch of uh, people who answered the post. And, um, you know, eventually we ventured off and did a Facebook messenger where we were always exchanging you know, uh, information and things like that. And just talking about running. And I would say, Hey, you know, I was excited. I was like, I, I can help you guys do this. So at the time, my running buddies were Dale Morrison, Reggie Williams, Iman. It was pretty much those names. We had a group of, we had, we, we were actually running anyway. So in a Facebook group, I'm just had to find a name. I had to find a name, you know, for this group. And, uh, one time, I, I think it was yeah, Iman, he said, you run these streets. And I said, hmm, run these streets, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just said, hey, well, men run these streets. I said, instead of looking at it as men running the streets, how about I turn it to something, say positive. You know how they say, hey, you have to run them streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, always, <laughs> they always put it in such a negative. I said, no. I said, so... I said, men run these streets and this time. And, and I was like, we're going to keep the slang of it. We're going to say these streets. We're going to say men run these streets. And so I put it all together and everybody found it real catchy. Like, hey, that sounds catchy and everything. So I created the Facebook group in 2013. And ever since then, we've been thriving. I mean, the guys are, I'm just in awe at how they respect my leadership, how they respect my, my knowledge and my coaching abilities and things like that. And they just believed in me and they stuck with me. And I remember uh, my son, he created our first logo, which is the MRDS, the basic MRDS logo. And I don't know if you noticed that we went through a few logos, but he, my son designed the, designed the first logo. I had a guy make us some shirts. And next thing you know, the orange shirts became so synonymous with MRDS. And our parents in the community, our parents on the lakefront, everybody knew us about the orange shirts. And so when we became a force and uh, years later, we're coming up on 10 years in existence and it's still going strong. Uh, the, the men are just phenomenal. These are good guys, family men, community men, men that take uh, health and fitness very seriously. Just some real stand up guys from all different kind of professions, from doctors, policemen, firemen, lawyers. I mean, you can name it. We, we we have those disciplines in MRDS, and I'm very happy, again, that they find my my leadership uh, something that they would like to follow in the organization itself that they're proud to be members of. And you guys not only run, you do different events in the community to give back to the community as well. Is that correct? That is correct. A lot of it is not spearheaded through us. We kind of jump onto events that people that may need the help of men, you know, the AKAs have called us for the Thanksgiving event. We go there and help with that. Uh, we, we might do some community events to where we set up tables and talk to community members about health and fitness. My sister, she's really an advocate in the community, so I join her missions and things like that. So uh, MRDS has done numerous, numerous community events to where we made a presence as the men. And we're always, even now, we're always supportive to whatever causes that come up and uh, next month there's a breast cancer uh, walk that we'll be supporting um, and being a presence in to help those ladies uh, they, they ask for our presence so 
lot of organizations may ask for our presence, say, hey, you know, they may reach out to me and say, hey, can you cut some guys to come help with this and we'll do it, you know. And the guys, again, are very, so, so very responsive that when I put an ask out there for them to be present, they do their best to be there. So tell me about your favorite quote. Every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars to change the world. That, is, that says everything that I, you know, starts off with a dream. Everything that I've accomplished in life started off with a dream. Started off with me believing that it can actually manifest in, in the physical, uh, if it manifested in a, in a mind. And I really understand the dream part, not just with uh, Harry Tubman, but with, you know, Martin Luther King and people who preach the uh, importance of dreaming. I think dreams, when you dream, you have an opportunity to to put your, your, your mind on the same wavelength of the creator and the universe and things like that to bring forth your, your passion. So when you dream, you actually give your mind and your emotions the exercise to be connected, to, to put it out there, to say, hey, this is what I believe. This is what I would like to see manifested in the future or even in the present. And I believe it has so much power. It gives you, if, you, if you're a dreamer, if you dream, you can move mountains, you can make things happen. I, I just believe in that. I, I believe in dreaming. I believe in mental visualization. I even coach it. I said, you know, to get through the marathon, you, you have to imagine yourself at that finish line. You have to imagine yourself running a race and feeling good and imagine yourself crossing that finish line. That's dreaming. That's dreaming. Yeah, hey, I, I would like to see this manifested. So Ms. Tubman said, said her phrase perfectly, and that's the reason why I chose it. And changing the world part, that's always been my angle to helping others is to help change the world, you know, the, the, the negative aspects of the world. that We have so much negative that, that takes place and invade our space, but I just believe that you know, we, we all have the ability to add to this life and add to the world and add to the, to the progression of human beings. And I want to do my part. I want to be that person that does my part, my way, the way that I can contribute. And motivating people through health and fitness allows me to do that and to live up to that quote of changing the world through health and fitness. Speaking back with uh, starting MRDS, that a lot of those guys had not even run marathons before. So, you know, we motivated them to, hey, sign Allen, I can talk about him. You know, I don't I think because of us, he signed up for the marriage. I don't think that was on his radar. But he was around us so much that hey, you know, hey, you want to run a marathon and I'm fulfilling my dream of helping by inspiring other people to do what they never thought that they would be able to do. And now they're doing it multiple times. So my dreams are coming true and I and my dreams are being exceeded past my expectations. So I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy to live by that quote. I'm very happy to cite that as my favorite quote because it moves me. It explains what I do and how I do it and what, what what's, what's my why to change the world. I love it. I love it. And you not only inspire other men, I'm sure when you're in the community running and when you do your community outreach, you inspire young people in the community because they wouldn't think that, you know, as African-American men don't run distance races. You know, they see sprinters and stuff, but they'll see you guys out there doing it and doing things in the community. So you're inspiring them as well. 
Yeah, and, and, and we, that's one of the things um, behind Men Running These Streets is to, to be have a presence in the community. That's another reason why I named the Men Running These Streets is because I, I, we preach every day, outside your front door is the best place to run. And it, uh, it, it gives your presence in the community when there is that, that stereotype or that stigma that black men or black people ourselves don't run. Yes, we do. We do have black that are interested in running, that do that do run, that do run for uh, health and fitness, that do run consistently, and also run distance. So when you go outside your front door and you're in the community, people see you. And to your point, yeah, whenever I'm running in the community, I get all these honks and kudos from people. And people need to see that. People need to see, you know, men taking charge of our health through running and fitness and everything. And you better believe that people remember it. Even like when I see someone at the grocery store, they say, aren't you that guy that runs? I see you running all the time. I think, yeah, yeah. You know, it just breaks the ice and you meet people and people say like, and then they always say like, one day I'm going to get out there. And I'm like, come on, come on. We Come on, let's do it, you know. So it gives you opportunity to interact with people and for them to see you. And just yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine and she said she had never met a black marathoner before. This is a distant friend from 20 years ago from college. And she and when she found out I ran marathons, she's like, you know, I don't know any black people that run marathons. I said, well, you know what now? You know, <laughs> you've been knowing one for years. You just didn't know I was into the sport. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it's really inspiring. It gives you that that feeling like, hey, you know, I'm one of the ones that is looked upon and, and reverenced that, hey, you know, this guy does this. That means that it can be done. Even if I don't do it myself, I'm looking at him and say it can be done. And I can say mm-hmm. a black person has run a marathon. Yes, we, we do have black marathoners. We do have them in the city of Chicago. We do have them in our, our urban parts of the city. I'm in Greater Grand Cross. And so my area, they always see me running and cycling and stuff like that. So I'm known for it. So you, you actually get kind of <laughs> typecast, if you will, in a community. <laughs> yeah. So I'm that. I've been labeled. And every time someone sees me, they talk about they all running always come up. They know I run. They always ask about it. You know, I show up to a, a barbecue. I show up to an event. I guarantee you someone's going to ask me about running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> so you took on another challenge this year and completed um, Steelhead 70.3 triathlon. I did. I did. So what made you pick a 70.3 as your first race? You know, and I put it out on a post last week, I believe. I got some interesting friends. And I I, I, I would say the word crazy. Not, let me just say crazy friends. <laughs> that's all good, though. You know, my triathlon friends, they've been really trying to get me to come into the sport. You know, the ones that are actively in the tri world, always talking about it, always pushing. So I just got influenced by friends. I got uh, one friend in particular, you know, Anastasia Walker. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she, uh, she's a bully. She's a bully. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the way that went down, you know, it was always, hey, you know, for the for last couple of years, when are you going to in a triathlon. We're gonna do a triathlon, and so I said, "Well, if I do one, I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the half Ironman." Uh, and so, you know, I had never previously done any triathlons or anything, and so this year was kind of different. Um, Anastasia, I don't know what put it on her mind and challenged me so, uh, but she did this year. Even though previous years I said I was gonna do it, and I didn't. So she was like, "Well, you should do steelhead," and I me not knowing anything about. 
I was going to do Muncie, but Muncie was too, you know, I think they were October. I, I don't, this year, I didn't want to chance that, but June, I said, I can do it June. I said, hot weather works for me. I can do June. She would ask me all the time, have you signed up? Have you signed up? And I was like, ah, not yet, not yet. So one day I look up and there's $200 in my account from her. No, really? Yeah. So I'm looking at it <laughs> like, yeah, you ain't got no excuse now. I put half on it. I was like, oh, all right. God. <laughs> you like, got to do it. I got to do it. I said, <laughs> I said, I can't send this lady her money back. I said, I got to do it. So I signed up. I said, here we go. So I you know, sat on my computer, signed up for it. And as soon as I pressed the button, I was officially registered. Mm-hmm. From that point on, this was back in February of this year. And from that point on, I did bricks five days a week. Uh, I did two sports a day for five days a week. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. didn't have a really specific training plan. I just put in my mind that, hey, you know, I'll just put it in the work and you know, mm-hmm. and I did look at a couple of half Iron Man videos and people who had a couple of tips. Overall, I did not have a specific coach or a training program. I just say, I just said again for five days a week, I'm gonna do two sports a day, and I'm gonna mix it mm-hmm. up. You know, mix it up: cycling and swimming, swimming and running, running and cycling. So, and it wasn't you no know, written out plan. I just got up every day and just made time for two sports. Okay. Yeah. You already were cycling though and you've been swimming have you been swimming your whole life I, i've been swimming for the last 12 years so yeah so i've, I've been uh, yeah i've been participating in all sports for, for a lot of years i just had not put them all together in one single competition like the iron man or any triathlon and this year uh, june 25th i believe that was a day sunday june 25th i completed my first competition In season five, we will continue the segment as the doc. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal health, please email me, send me a message via social media, or click on my website and leave an audio message. Select messages will be answered on the segment. So... If you've been swimming for 12 years, but were you swimming in the lake? Because Lake Michigan, of course, is different from a pool. A little bit of both, <laughs> right. And I, and I tell you that I'm not a fan of open water swimming. I can do it. I, I just, I, I know Lake Michigan, and a lot of times I just don't want to deal with it, you know. But don't get me wrong, sometimes it's a joy. Other times, like, for instance, I was out there a couple of weeks ago with uh, my friend Howard, and it was choppy as ever. And I we went to like the second buoy. And I'm like, look, man, I'm going back. Yeah, Howard is a fish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know Howard, yeah. So yeah, Howard, yeah. <laughs> I say, I don't mean to mess up your swim or interrupt your swim. I'm not, I'm not going further than these two buoys. And I turned right back around and went back. So I'll do it, but I'm more a pool person. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some people like the open water like that. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do like it. I do enjoy it. I would say I'm more 80% pool water, 20% open water, you know, but as long as I know, as long as I know what I'm doing while I'm out there, I can't open water swim. I can do it. I've done it in calm conditions and I, and per steelhead, I've done it in crazy conditions. Yeah. Tell me about steelhead, your first race. Well, steelhead was interesting, the swim part, right? So mm-hmm. uh before steelhead, I had did two open water swims, and both both open water swims, I had problems. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems was hyperventilating. 
you know. Okay. But I do know when I hyperventilate, you know, it's like, hey, just calm down, just relax, calm yourself, and get your groove going. So when I got to Steelhead, same thing happened. The water conditions were terrible, and the waves were hit, like on the way out, the waves hit you. So did it get worse? It started off decent, not calm, but uh, manageable, then it got worse. And matter of fact, from what I'm told, if it, if it was 20 minutes later than the start, they would have called to swim. Mm-hmm. You know, the boats were rocking. They started rocking real heavy and everything. So they, I guess they was how they, how they were gauging the water condition. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got out there, same thing happened in the water. Maybe about five minutes into it, start hyperventilating. You know, and I start, you know, I knew the whole thing about open water swimming is that you got to know what you're doing. You can't just get out there, you know, how do you get to know what you're doing about getting out there and getting in it? You got to get out there and get in it. It's a beast that you can't run from. So at that point, it's still here when it happened. I mean, I had to say that I had a guy that I looked up, like, you know, in the head of the line when we tried to get in the water. This guy looked so in shape. He didn't even have on a wetsuit. He had some kind of tri-suit on. And I just said, this guy's going to get it. He's going to get it. So when I'm in the water and I'm having problems and I see him get on the boat, I'm like, oh, I see my hero and got on the boat. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, he didn't know he was my hero because I just picked him up because he was so in shape and he had a badass haircut, badass body. Excuse my language for the But this guy was like, I was like, I know he's going to get it. When I saw this guy get on the boat, I'm like, oh, no. I was like, but... My stubbornness would not allow me. I said, I didn't come this far. I said, I've been here before. So what I did, I traded water and I dog paddled until I calmed down the breathing because I had, you know, the waves. And at the same time, the waves are hitting you. You know, waves are relentless. They don't give a, they don't care about you calming down. And the water, you just got to do what the water says, you know. So after about five minutes of calming down, dog paddling, I just did one stroke, one stroke, one stroke, one stroke. And I said, if I can make it to this buoy, I'm make it to that buoy. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll judge from there. So I, I made it to the first buoy, then to the second buoy, and then next thing you know, I got my groove going. I got my groove. So when I got to the turn buoy, I knew. I said, I got this. I got this. So I got to the turn buoy, and it turned right. And at this time, since the waves were coming to my face, but when I when I turned the turn buoy, of course, it's hitting me on my left side now. But at this time, I, and I breathe on my left side. You know, I breathe on my left side. So I had to be creative. I had to get on my right side a little bit and breathe on my right. I comfortably on my left side. But but basically, I just had to hook a crook that, that swim. I finished the swim on time. You get an hour and 10 minutes. I finished in an hour and one minute. Okay. You were like, and it's on after that, after you got out the water. <laughs> after I got out the water, I said, oh, it's game on. I said, so, you know, of course, cycling uh, per what you mentioned, I've been doing that for years. So I got on the bike, killed the bike real good. And the run is why I had the problem because uh, and I think that's when nutrition came into play because I cramped up really bad on the run. You know, And I know I did not eat or uh, uh, have, have the proper nutrition like I should have. So I think that's the reason why I cramped so bad on the run. Do you sweat a lot? I sweat a lot. I lose a lot of, lose a lot of salt in my sweat. And to replenish it, you got to catch it before... It actually actually depleted, you know, because it takes a while for the salt to enter the system and for it ready to be used. So I had to really stop at every A station to eat and drink something. Okay. Where'd you get your nickname, the machine, Optimus Prime? Where'd you get your nickname from? 
I've always been a fan of science fiction, Marvel uh, heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of just superheroes and science fiction. The machine came from one of my friends. He's like, man, you're a machine. You're a machine. And this is one of my non-running friends, you know, and it just stuck. He's like, I was like, okay, the machine. That sounds pretty cool. And then uh, I've always been a Transformers fan. And Optimus Prime is more than just a robot, a strong, mighty robot. Optimus Prime was a fearless leader. He had he had integrity and honor. He had dedication. He had uh, tenacity, strength, all the things that mirror uh, a superhero. Optimus Prime had it, and I felt like all of those things mirror what I believe and what I stand for uh, by being upright with honor and integrity, as well as being fit and physical, uh, ready for whatever battle that I have to deal with and, and basically being a leader of the Autobots. He's the leader. So I'm, I'm the leader of all my Autobots. So that's where Optimus, Optimus Prime comes from. My admiration for a superhero such as he. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like superheroes. <laughs> so what is on your bucket list as far as racing, running, more triathlons? More triathlons, um, again, to what I said earlier, the 26.2 will become a distant memory. But I will be seeking to do more uh, 70.3s. And by my 50th birthday, I would like to do the whole 140.6. So you, And you got to do a marathon. Then. Yeah, exactly. That's, 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 that's the only way I would do <laughs> Is if I couple it with, you know, a 2.4-mile swim and a 112-mile bike, 26.2 run has to come into play. I will do it then, but a long 26.2 won't happen. So about, I'm 48 now, so i got two years to train for the full Ironman. I want to put that into So that's on my bucket list of full Ironman. Now that I'll, I'll probably get maybe two more 70.3s under my belt. So which ones do you plan to do? You're going to do one next year. So what, what one are you thinking about? Well, I don't know yet. It won't be still here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be steelhead. Of course, I can conquer steelhead, but you know, I just don't want to uh, be in a race where there's a chance of the swim being called because I wouldn't feel good about that. I want to do the whole thing. I want to do everything. So I, I'm, between now and the end of the year, I've been in kind of narrowed down what I'm doing 2023 as far as uh, 70.3s, but I'll at least get two more of those. And then by 2024, I would like to do the full 140.6 So part of my podcast is to feature guests who have overcome obstacles to make it to their finish line. Can you tell me about an obstacle you had in life, whether it be running or multi-sport related or just in general that you've had to overcome? Oh, I got a laundry bag on. (laughs) Growing up was very difficult uh, for my family. You know, I grew up with nothing. I grew up with, I remember hungry days. I remember days with no lights. I remember winters with no heat. I went, I remember a lot of things that took place because my family just couldn't afford uh, the basic standard of living at the time. Growing up, it did, that I would say that was the most challenging part of my life is just get, navigating through the first parts of my life, which is my adolescent childhood days where the, the resources were very limited to none. And I just remember some very horrible times growing up. Um, 
And, you know, with poverty comes other things like, you know, family disputes and all kind of things that take place that you care not to mention, but you're going through it. So I would say growing up poor is the biggest challenge that I've ever, ever had to deal with because at that time, you know, you're a kid, you have no control over, you know, what adults do and what how adults carry about. And uh, although my mom did everything that she could to provide, she just didn't have, um, you know, the resources and she didn't have the means to, to, to uh, provide and everything. And just seeing her struggle, seeing her struggle with us, and that played a lot into my success today. And I used to always wonder, like, man, why are we growing up so poor? Why is it so hard? But you know what? We It made me so strong. It made me so hungry to be successful in life, whatever it was. I remember as a kid, I just shouted it out. We was uh, living in this apartment building, and we had any heat. That was such a, oh, I remember. I, I can almost feel, remember how it felt just to be in a freezing cold house. And I was like, when I grow up, I will not deal with this. I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be somebody. And that motivated me. I never wanted to experience those days again in my life, ever again. And to this day, I I have been hungry. Everything I've succeeded in, I went into it. I, I, I had to believe in myself. I had to push myself. I had to work extra hours. I had to grind, 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 grind. Mm-hmm. Everything I've accomplished, I, it comes from that distant horrible nightmare memory of my childhood where I would do all those things I mentioned that made me never want to ever visit those days ever again, ever in life. So I always want to stay ahead. I always say, hey, I'll I'll work three jobs if I have to. I'll do whatever it takes to never experience that lifestyle again. Even when I talk about when I ran my first marathon and just because, you know, I had by that time I graduated college, you know, and I had a job, but that didn't mean that the problems stopped. They say to be successful, we should go to college, blah, blah, blah. And that's what I did. I just like, hey, that, if that's what I got to do to be successful, I'm going to college. So when I graduated college, I secured a position. And even still, in 2000, the lonely day in 2006, where I felt like the walls were closing in, I felt like, uh, you know, that's my, my juice and my drive behind running the marathon. I always found a way out of an obstacle. Even now, even to this day, obstacles show that they bear their head. But I always think about those days that when I didn't have, and when I didn't have the means. And the way I view obstacles now is that I'm an adult. I'm an able-bodied adult, mentally, physically, uh, emotionally strong, that I can overcome anything. And it comes from those childhood memories. It comes from the fact that I didn't have anything. But now that I'm able to control my own destiny by being my own man and being my own self, I can overcome anything. So to sum up your inquiry about the toughest obstacle, growing up in the city of Chicago is the toughest obstacle. And I, I didn't even mention the outside factors. When I, not only when I left the house, I had to deal with bullies, gangbangers. I had to deal with just the, the, the urban community itself, just the not so good mm-hmm. uh, things that were taking place in the community. You know, I had to deal with everything, you know, and like I say, I got I, this. This person has been beat up in life. I've been beat up. I've been, you know, chewed up and spit out. But I still stand here strong to say, hey, that I, I, I survived it. I'm going to continue to survive until you know the lights are completely out. If you know what I mean. That's my life. That really drove who Terrence Lyles is today. By what I've endured in my childhood and and my thought process that that is created today because of it. 
if an adult Terrence could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to slow down. Let me explain. Of course, I would not. Everything I talk talk about my childhood, I, would, I, I didn't have any control over. But I'm I'm talking about the time when I had control when I became an adult. Mm-hmm. When I became an adult, I, I lived so fast, just trying to get everything so fast, just trying to didn't know have any idea how life is. I'm 21 years old. I'm in my maybe like third year of college, and I was just moving so fast. I was just uh, getting involved with a lot of things that I shouldn't have been getting involved with so soon. I was just kind of a person that I wanted everything. Like if I felt like, hey, if I did this or I worked hard, I should have it right now. I would tell mm-hmm. younger Terrence, hey, slow down, get a, get some mentor. I would tell him to get a mentor or mentors mm-hmm. that are successful. And that's one thing that I kind of regret that I didn't do starting off my career as a young man at 21 years old is get a mentor to guide me uh, and to show me uh, the ways to go. And uh, when I got first got to college, I was just getting involved in partying and things like that. And I had, you know, the first time out of Chicago, uh, I just, I, I wasn't studying like I should have. I got kicked out of the university. Um, I, had to, I had to get myself back in. I would tell that younger person, Terrence, get a mentor, slow down, get your bearing, do, do your work like it's supposed to be done. Earn your fun time, you know. So I, it took me about three good years to really learn how to be a student and to to really have a social life as well. I would tell that person, the younger Terrence, don't jump into immediate relationships. Test the waters. I would tell that person that. Don't just jump because because you're having fun at the movies and things like that. And like, oh, we can be together because we had fun at the movies. Like, no, you know, you had to. I say, say, make someone earn their position in your life. You know, don't just fall for the first actions of people, which a lot of times we fail for. So I, that's what, and I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm telling you these because these are some of my regrets growing up, uh, coming through the ranks and everything. Say, slow down, slow down, get a bearing, think things through before you act. I would tell that person that. And um, the third thing I would tell that person is, Second or third, I think it's third thing. <laughs> but overall, I would tell young Terrence, don't spend your money frivolously. Have a plan. Mm-hmm. Stack your stack your chips. Start investing. Start putting. Uh, put, if you can buy a twenty dollar bottle of whiskey, you can put ten dollars into a fund. I would tell that Terrence just to at twenty one years old, start saving. So when you become forty one and fifty, your money has grown over compound interest. I would tell Terrence that that Terrence that. So it, a lot of life lessons, like, again, these all come from things I had to learn, trial and error. You know, I didn't have adults telling me these things. I didn't have a mentor. Although I had adults in my life, they were not telling me these things. You know, my mom, considering how I outlined how we grew up, any money she got, she was spending it. <laughs> Saving money, like, no. She's like, no, we need to do now. That, was, that wasn't my family's thought process to save and invest and, and, and acquire assets. That wasn't what they were thinking. So I would tell younger Terrence that, hey, come up with a plan, save your money, stack your money up so you can keep your credit score intact. You know, I would tell him all of those things that we should know now as adults that are successful and have a, a successful path right now where, where it means that they are living mentally, physically, and emotionally strong and healthy 
and also with healthy assets to be able to offset any things that may prove as hardships. If, if you did otherwise, you would not, you know, deal with them. So, yeah, I, I would tell younger Terrence a bunch of things, but to sum it up, I would tell them the things I just mentioned. Great advice. Great advice. Any last minute additional words of advice for my listeners? Yeah, I can get on a soapbox what I want. But I found so many people that doubt, that want to do things. And we talk about marathons. Let, let's let, let's broaden the scope more than a marathon or a race, although that's something that if you want to believe it, you should do. I would tell people, do not always bet on yourself. Mm-hmm. That means that when you're betting on yourself, that you're not letting other people tell you what you can't do. If you dream it and you believe it and you want to go get it, I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what obstacles are in place. If, if your heart desires it, you have to do what it takes. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take focus, razor sharp focus. But if you're willing to do all those things that I mentioned, I believe that you could be successful in not only a marathon or distance run, you could be successful with anything in life. And I think that a lot of times people defeat themselves just by they get scared. They let fear like, okay, this can never happen. One thing, two things, three things may go wrong. And they're like, oh, I knew it wasn't going to happen. But you know what? That is not an indicator of your path. That means that those are the three, one, two, three obstacles you had to endure to get to your destiny. Your destiny is there waiting on you. Are, are you person enough? Are you strong enough? Are you focused enough? Are you determined enough to go after what it is that you want? And are you surrounding yourself around people who tell you you can't or people who motivate you to say that you can? I will say the latter is the uh, place to be. Be around people that are pushing you and motivating you and believing in you. Uh, That's such a big piece. Who do you keep as company in your journey? Who do you look up to in your journey? If you got a person that you look up to, ask them, hey, can you be my mentor? Can I just hang out with you? Like start making your friendships and your connections strategically. You know, don't don't let anyone in your space haphazardly. You pick who so who's in your space. You pick who is going to be in uh, on a journey with you. And along your journey, they're going to be people. That's why you can't quit. Even when you think about quitting, do not quit. Because as soon as you quit and you turn back around, you have to think of it like this. If I quit, what am I going to do? You're going to go back the other way? And you know that going back the other way is just like a waste of time. Why would you do that? So that means you got to go forward. Always go forward. Always believe that it's going to happen for you if you stick in there. And so many people have so many regrets because they quit in the face of adversity. I'm that example that adversity has crossed and knocked on my door and crossed my path so many times. The way I look at adversity is that I got to spend this time and get climb this wall and get over this obstacle, but I'm going forward and you should do the same and to never, ever quit. I don't care what it is that may come before you never quit. That would be my last words to the audience that hey, just stick in there and you will get to your dreams and destiny. Great advice. And I agree a hundred percent. And it's interesting. You talk about just not only in sports or running or I think sports and racing mirrors life, because if you got the dedication to train and to make it to that finish line, 
that confidence kind of can carry over in life. You, you don't always have great races. You don't always have great training days. And when you get through those, it gives you grit. It gives you some tenacity. Like, if I can deal with this, especially those crappy, crappy days, crappy races, I've been there. You can deal with stuff that happens in life and realize that it's just an obstacle. And you're going to, if you keep on going one foot right in front of the other for momentum, that you're going to be successful. So. 100, 100, one foot in front of the other, whether it's a race or whether it's a race for life and your dreams or where you want to, where you want to be one foot in front of the other, no turning back, go for your dreams. They should say, Hey, have a plan A, plan B, plan C. I kind of agree with at the same time, I'll give it a little pushback. I want my plan A. My plan is that's what I want. Yeah. I, I understand why people say have a plan B and plan C. And if it's young, young listeners, listen, if you want to be an engineer, you want to be a fireman, you want to be a doctor, you want to be anything, you know, and I'm pretty sure we would you be a doctor that you, you know, that's a that's a life mission. That's something you really have to want to do. I'm, I'm assuming that you really had to really drive and, and, and push for whatever it is. Push for it. Go for your plan A. Now, if you plan, you don't get your plan A. Why you if you fall on plan B, still having back in your mind, my A plan, I may have a setback, but A is still there. But I'll always push for plan A. So where can people find you? If they want to find Terrence or MRDS, where can people find you? Oh, you find me on Facebook, Terrence Lyles, L-Y-L-E-S, and it's always send me a direct message. Or you can email me at menrunnestreets at gmail.com. That's men run D-E-E-Z streets men run these streets at gmail.com and i'd be happy to answer any questions okay thanks again for joining me it was a pleasure no the pleasure was mine it took a while to get here we but this was an excellent (laughs) you know excellent excellent time to sit and talk with you and to to uh really express my thoughts i really appreciate this i really feel like i've released a lot that that's inside of me through the session and i thank you again for having me That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, Please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.